Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. You see, God awakens us like we've already seen. All we like sheep have gone astray. We're going to keep going astray apart from some intervention by God. But at the end of the day, He is not going to pick you up and transition you from darkness to light. There's a point where you have to say, Lord, yes, take me there. There's a point where we make a decision. We choose. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his series, Jesus Encounters. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on John chapter 9, verses 1 through 38, as he examines an encounter between Jesus and the blind men. Now, here's Pastor Brian. The point in the ban was to just completely reject these people, that they were to become outcast entirely from the society. So this is the, the threat that's hanging over the heads of anybody who would even suggest that Jesus is the Messiah. So that's why they're responding to the questions in this way. That's why they're saying, hey, he's of age, ask him. And so they called the man again who was blind and said to him, give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. You know, it's amazing how people can do such evil things and simultaneously evoke the name of God. Give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. Now, here's where it gets really fascinating to me. This, you, you've got to hand it to this guy. This guy has chutzpah. Now, you know, he, who knows how long he... Who knows how old he was? We don't know how old he was. The text doesn't tell us. But, but he spent his whole life blind. So, you know, you spend your whole life blind, you, you, you got to be a little tough, you know, to make it through life. So this is a guy, he, he just, he's sort of a no-nonsense guy, and he's, he's just going to push back against these guys. And I, I think the way he does this is just so great. He says, well, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. And they said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, and it's almost like, this is where, to me, he gets really testy with him. He's like, I already told you. You didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to be his disciples? I think. I don't think he thought they wanted to be his disciples. <laughs> I think he said this intentionally. I think he was poking at them with this. And of course, it brought about the desired effect because what did they say to him? They reviled him and said, you are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he is from, the man answered them and said, and this is where it gets really great, why this is a marvelous thing, that you don't know where he is from, and yet he has opened my eyes. You know, th this guy, like I said, I mean, he's gutsy. He's just like, wow, this is amazing. You don't know where he's from, and yet he opened my eyes? I mean, he obviously realizes the, the magnitude of what's happened. Of course, it's happened to him. 
But these guys are looking at a man who his entire life from birth has been blind, and now he's looking them in the eye, speaking to them, and they're not even phased by it. Their prejudice is so strong against Jesus, they can't, they can't see beyond their prejudice. They can't see the reality, the glory of the miracle. And, you know, this has been repeated over and over and over again throughout the history of the church, and it still happens today. And we see today sometimes, you know, God is doing amazing things and he's pouring out his spirit and lives are being transformed. And, and yet you get this, you know, this religious crowd who all they're really concerned with are the rules. And all they can see is, well, you know, they're not doing this according to the rules. And so they miss the glory of what God's doing because they're all preoccupied with the non-essential incidental kinds of things. But the man goes on, he says, now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And they answered him with complete disdain. You were completely born in sins, and are you teaching us? You see the arrogance of these men. This, see, and you see their theology. You were born in sin. You were born blind. You're obviously a sinner. You obviously have nothing to contribute to us at all their arrogance. And then we read this and they cast him out. He went under that ban that I was talking about a moment ago. That's what it means. When they cast him out, they excommunicated him. They didn't just cast him out of the meeting. They cast him out as they threatened to do. But look at this. Jesus heard that they cast him out and he went and found him. And you know, this story has also been repeated over and over again throughout history. This is the beautiful side of it. Oftentimes when people are cast out by other people, the Lord does not cast them out. The Lord seeks them out. And of course, that's the, that's the beautiful thing about the Savior. And this is part of you know, what we've been talking about as we've been looking at these different stories. We, we just have to be so careful that we don't cast out the people that God is seeking to save, that we don't write them off, that we don't dismiss them, that we don't exclude them because of some bias or some prejudice or, or some misunderstanding or misinterpretation of God's word or, or the way God is. So Jesus finds him and he said, do you believe in the son of God? And he answered and said, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you have both seen him. Wow, amazing. You have both seen him and it is he who is speaking to you. And the man said, Lord, I believe and he worshiped. So here's the man who couldn't see, but was made to see. But now we read about those who wouldn't see. Jesus said, for judgment, I have come into this world that those who do not see may see 
and those who see may be made blind. Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words, and they said to him, are we blind also? Now, I am certain that they did not ask that question in a tone of, oh no, Lord, is that who we are? It was, the tone I'm certain was arrogant. Are you saying that we're blind? And Jesus says this. He said, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say we see, therefore your sin remains. So here we have this contrast. On the one hand, we have the man who couldn't see but was made to see. On the other hand, we have those who wouldn't see and don't see. In a sense, you can look at it as those who are blind by nature and those who are blind by choice. Now, let me make this clear. We are all, spiritually speaking, we are all blind by nature because we're born in sin. So just like this man, we're just like him. We were born blind. We're born blind to spiritual truth and realities. We were born in our sin, right? And so as Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter two, we're dead in our trespasses and sins. That's, that's our natural state. And so in our natural state, we uh, do not know God. We do not have an experience with God. We do not understand, perceive the things of God. That's, that is how we are. But what God does is he sends his spirit to awaken and to illuminate us to our condition that we might be healed. So what happened to this man physically, there's a parallel between that and what happens to us spiritually. Just as Jesus comes, and notice Jesus heals the man, but at this point, the man is not a believer. He's not a follower. He just knows that a man named Jesus healed him, but then Jesus comes back to him with, do you believe in the Son of God? And yes, Lord, you know, who is he that I might believe? And then he believes. And so you you have the, the whole process completed. Jesus doesn't just physically heal him, but he spiritually heals him. But like I'm saying, there's sort of a parallel that we can look at here because the spirit comes. And as Jesus would say later here in John's gospel, when he talked about the coming of the spirit into the world, he said, when the spirit comes, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And this is what happens. Through the work of the spirit, our eyes begin to be opened. And anybody who is today a believer in Jesus, a follower of Jesus, you know what I'm talking about by experience. You know, you can remember, you you went through an experience where you began to be awakened. You began to be illuminated. You began to see things differently than you had seen them before. You began to think about things differently than you thought about them before. I remember this process working itself out in my life. I remember this conviction of the spirit, but at the time I didn't know it was the conviction of the spirit. I just knew that I started to change my thinking about certain things, certain things that I once thought were fine and certain things that I, I had no problem engaging in. I began to think that they probably weren't that great. And I began to feel like, you know, I, I, I shouldn't do this. 
And, and this is the work of the Spirit. This is where everything begins. But of course, there comes a point where there's a response on our part that's necessary. And the response is that, that place of, of connecting then with the Lord. You, there, there's different things that you can do with the conviction. You can just push it away eventually. Say, I, well, you know, I, I don't like those thoughts. I'm going to stop. I'm going to just, I'm going to suppress those thoughts. Uh, you might translate it into uh, some sort of moralism where you say, oh, well, I just need to clean up my life and be a better person. And then that, that'll take care of it. But the, of course, the ultimate objective of the, the conviction of the spirit is to bring us to the place of making a decision about Jesus being the son of God and believing in him. So we look at these men here and we see that they're rejecting that. So those who respond to the conviction are like the blind man who receives his sight. Those who reject this conviction, this work of the Spirit, they're like the men here who, refusing to believe, remain in their sin. And people kind of, I think you could say, we come, come down into one of these two categories. We're either those that are responding to the conviction of sin in a positive way by opening our hearts to the Savior or we are those who are resisting that conviction. We're, we're I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't want to hear it. I already know. I don't need that. And of course, that does happen. You know, the other day, my wife was telling me a story, and I don't even remember why she told me this story, but it's a story that illustrates this point. And she was reminding me of an experience that, she had when we were living in London years ago and we were pastoring a church there. And um, the church that we pastored met in a school hall. And the school hall was there on a street. It was on Palace Street and it was near to the palace. So you had a lot of foot traffic out in front of the, the school. People would walk by and we would be there every Sunday. We'd have our signs set up, Calvary Chapel, Westminster, and, you know, people would come by and, you know, you would even, hey, good morning, invite them in. So anyway, my wife, being the amazingly friendly person that she is, there was a lady that was passing by one morning and Cheryl just gave her a big smile, said hello to her. And the lady was so impressed with that, she followed her inside. And as she came into the, the area there, you know, uh, just outside the hall where people would gather, she says, well, what, what is this? And Cheryl says, well, the, this is our church. This is a church. Oh. And then the lady says, well, what do you do here? And Cheryl says, well, you know, among other things, we, we teach the Bible. We study the Bible together. And the lady says, oh, the Bible. The, I've, read, I've read the Bible a little bit, but I, it's just so hard to understand. I'd like to read the Bible and know what it means, but I just can't, I don't get it. And Cheryl says, well, you know, that's because you need to be spiritually born 
in order to really understand the Bible because the Bible, is, it's, a, it's a spiritual book. And she kind of paraphrased, you know, that the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit. He cannot know them. They're spiritually discerned. So she put that in language that the lady could understand. And all of a sudden the lady goes, that's what I want. I want that. I need that. Now that's the right response, isn't it? But Cheryl went on. She said, oh, well, that's great. But now, but first of all, you, you have to be, you know, in order to have this, this spiritual birth I'm talking about, she said, you know, you have to confess that you're a sinner. Oh, no, 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 I'm not a sinner, the lady said. And Cheryl said, well, you know, you are a sinner. <laughs> and you, you really need to confess that. And, and no, 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 I, I'm not a sinner. And, and Cheryl wisely, she said, okay, well, let me, let me just, let me kind of tell you what that means. And, and anyway, I, I'm not going to give the illustration she did because I'll mess it up, but, but it, was, it was really good. But she just took, you know, she took something that the lady would really get and, and you know, she reduced it to, to the level where she was really able to understand basically that, you know, we're all sinners. We, we've all come short of the glory of God. And, and Christ came to, he came to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. And the lady had told Cheryl that she, had a brother. And so Cheryl kind of used her brother as the illustration. You know, what if you had, you know, parked your car and in London, they used to come along. And if you parked your car in the wrong place, they would clamp it. They would, you know, it kind of like becomes their car. They put a clamp on it and then you've got to pay to get that out and all of this stuff. And so Cheryl gave the illustration of, you know, what if your car got clamped and you just had ticket after ticket after ticket, and then you ended up in jail and you couldn't pay for it. And then your brother came along and he paid for it. And, you know, she, she goes to this whole thing. So the lady gets it. The lady finally, goes, oh, yeah, I guess, I guess I am a sinner then. And Cheryl says, would you like to pray to receive forgiveness of your sins and to, to have this spiritual. And she said, no, what I, could I do this? She said, I have this beautiful place in my garden at home where I like to just sit and think, would it be okay? Could I go there and just sit there and talk to God about this? And of course, Cheryl said, yeah, oh, absolutely. You could do that. But I'm telling you this story because that woman illustrated the heart that we're talking about, a, a receptive heart, a heart that says, yes, that's it. I, I need that. I want that. And that's this man. He doesn't just contend himself in the fact that he's no longer blind. Jesus says, do you believe in the son of God? He says, who is he? So I can believe in him. He wants it all. He wants everything. And that's the way God wants us to respond to his offer that comes through those convicting times where he's showing us the truth and he's showing us our need 
But you know, the sad thing is, there are many that, that won't come. But the question that I often ask, I know the answer to it, but I still ask it, why would anybody in darkness refuse to come out into the light? Do you know anybody that it just, they're miserable in the darkness, but they're, they're just absolutely committed to staying there? I know people like that. Their lives are miserable. And they will tell you how miserable their lives are. And they are so bitter at the misery in their lives. And they even to some degree recognize that there's, there's darkness around them. And then you invite them into the light. Come out of that darkness. And they don't want it. Why? How, how can that be? Well, earlier in this gospel, we are given the answer to that question. This is condemnation. That light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil for everyone practicing evil hates the light, does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. That's the problem. You see, it's not a matter at that point of they couldn't. It is a matter that they wouldn't. And those are the two categories. And so it comes down to choosing to remain in the darkness or choosing to come out of the light. You see, God awakens us like we've already seen. All we like sheep have gone astray. We're going to keep going astray apart from some intervention by God. So God intervenes. He starts convicting us. He's wanting to lead us. But at the end of the day, he is not going to pick you up and transition you from darkness to light there's a point where you have to say, Lord, yes, take me there. There's a point where we make a decision. We choose. And so there are those who could not, and there are those who will not. But if it's merely the matter of could not, know this, that God will bring you out of that. He'll remove those, those obstacles. And, and there are people today who really, they're, they're stumbling blocks, they're obstacles, there are things. And, and kind of like that lady, you know, they just need to understand. They need to have clarity on it. They need to know, okay, explain to me, what does this really mean? And once they get it, they're like, oh, yes, okay, I understand that, I get that. But of course, there are those as well that you will explain it to and explain it to over and over again, and they will get it. And then in the end, they'll say, you know what? I get it, but I don't want it. You know, sometimes we think that people are unbelievers because they don't understand. And sometimes that's true. But you know what? Sometimes people are unbelievers because they do understand. And they don't want what God offers. So they then become atheists and say there is no God. Not because they've got all kinds of great evidence that there is no God, but really because it's more convenient to not have a God because I don't want anyone that I'm accountable to. But in the end, we, we make that choice. Are we blind also, they said to Jesus? He said, because you say you see, your sin remains. If they would have acknowledged their blindness, they would have been healed of it. And that's how it happens. You acknowledge your need for the Savior, and he comes 
and you put your faith in the Son of God, and that changes everything for time and eternity. For the month of March, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled Confronting Jesus, Nine Encounters with the Hero of the Gospels by Rebecca McLaughlin. In our current climate of social injustice and sexual ethics, many today do not believe that Jesus has any relevance for today's culture. But what exactly does Jesus say about social injustice and sexual ethics? And in a world filled with moral atrocities, have you ever wondered what it means when people say that God is love? What does Jesus' love actually look like in everyday life in the 21st century? If you've ever wrestled with any of these questions or know someone who wants to know who Jesus is, you need to get this month's resource from Back to Basics. The book Confronting Jesus, Nine Encounters with the Hero of the Gospels by Rebecca McLaughlin is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443. Or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian. As we continue our series, Jesus Encounters. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.